You're highly welcome to the Precious People's Assembly for All Nations podcast, a place where we share God's word and empower you for your assignment in the marketplace, guided by Senior Pastor Sam Otenaki. Now, why don't you sit tight for today's sermon as we dig deep into the word and discover how to be God's representatives wherever we go. We are gathered at your feet this evening to eat from the bread of life, to drink from the fountain that never runs dry. We ask today, Lord, that you will fill us to overflow in the name of Jesus. We lead ourselves under your mighty hands that you will lead us as you will. Lord, we will not be hindrance to your move tonight. That word which you have proposed for us, Father, we receive of it in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, we give you honor. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Can I hear a thunderous amen? Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you, precious voices. Hallelujah. Amen. You are welcome to church this evening. I believe you are happy to be in his presence again. Just as the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. You are welcome to church this evening. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Today, I have the honor and privilege to stand before you uh, for today's hour of discovery. Pastor is unavoidably absent, and uh, we trust that the grace of God, even upon his life, will be present tonight to do us good in the name of Jesus. We also pray that whatsoever God has in stock for us, he will deliver and nothing will hold it back from us in the name of Jesus. So once again, I uh, count it as a great privilege to stand here. Thank you, ma'am, for allowing me this privilege and the entire pastorate. We don't take it for granted. Hallelujah. I want to share uh, a, a little thought in exhortation with us very briefly by the grace of God tonight. Uh, you know, on Sunday, it was a unique service, so there is nothing to reload today, except we want to say we are still gleaning from the anointing and the outpouring of the grace of God and the overflow that we had on Sunday. I hope your own is not running dry. I can't hear you. Hallelujah. You have to keep fanning it. You have to keep watering it. You have to keep feeding it by the word of God. And over the week, I was going through these same scriptures that I'm going through. Uh, we're going to be sharing uh, tonight by the grace of God. And it's a very common scriptures, a very common story that we have all heard over and over and over again. But I believe that uh, there's something new that God wants to draw out for us to benefit from tonight. The Bible says the word of God is new every day. Hallelujah. You can never get com- too conversant with the word of God. There are still sometimes scriptures that I have read over and over and over and over again. I read at some point and I begin to see some new light that I never saw before. Hallelujah. So we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Luke, chapter 15, and we'll read from verse 11 to 32. But I will be dwelling on verse 25 through 32. Hallelujah. Luke, chapter 15. We're reading from verse 11 all through to 32. But then we come back and pick the half part of it and dwell more on it. Hallelujah. It is the story of the prodigal child. 
I believe we've all heard that story before, over and over. Hallelujah. Do I have people in the church? So what are you thinking of? When I say hallelujah, yours is to respond. I say hallelujah. Aha, please stay with me in church. Hallelujah. He said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. How many sons was the man having? How many sons? Two sons. Hallelujah. And uh, by the grace of God, we are going to be seeing these two sons displayed in the church. We have those two sons present in the house tonight. Hallelujah. At the end of the day, you'll be able to see which part of the son you belong. Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Uh, I believe that if I ask us, uh, before we go through the story, between the prodigal child and the prodigal brother, which one do you want to be? Hello? Come on. It just occurred to me to ask the question. Because both of them looked, looked as if they were, they were both negative, isn't it? Isn't it? But God will open our eyes to see some reality in it. So let me ask you again. Between the prodigal child and the prodigal's brother, which one will you prefer to be? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You know, you know what? Truly, for me, I would, uh, I would love to be the prodigal son. Hallelujah. Yes, I would love to be the prodigal son. And we will see in a short while why it would have been better for you to have been the prodigal son. Hallelujah. Uh, the prodigal son knew his right, true or false. He knew his right. He knew what was right for him in his father's house. What he requested for, was he wrong or right? Hello? Speak out. Was, I'm not asking you about time. What he asked for, was he right or wrong? Was it due him or not? It was his right. Just that he asked it at the, right, at the wrong time, isn't it? And he used it for the wrong purpose. But we can't crucify him for that. But in spite and irrespective of all of this, what happened? He was able to trace his way back home. And we say it is the end of a thing that matters, isn't it? Isn't it, people? It is the end of a thing that matters. Not the beginning, not the middle. How you embark on your journey is not what matters. Arriving at your destination is the most important thing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the prodigal child, did he arrive his destination? Did he? He did. Hallelujah. Amen. So he said, then said, he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goose that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Hallelujah. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a certain, I mean, to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swines. Hallelujah. Verse 16. And, when he and he would gladly have filled his stomach. You know when hunger hits you. 
you, 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 don't, you don't bother yourself about the taste of the food again, isn't it? Father, I pray for these people. Bring them home in Jesus' name. Let their spirit, soul, and body be in this house tonight in Jesus' name. Like I will always tell you, don't bother yourself about where the sermon is taking you to. Open your ears and listen to the spirit. He will speak something to you. Is that okay? Uh-huh. Because when I ask you a question and I can't hear a response, it means that you are not here. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. So I was asking the question, when you get so severely hungry, you know sometimes you don't even know the taste of the food, whether it's salty or not, you don't know. It is when you finish the food, you begin to say, ah, but this thing was not tasteful. Hallelujah. Hunger doesn't know taste. All you are craving for at that moment is to satisfy the hunger. And that was exactly what happened. The Bible says, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pots that the swine ate. Somebody say, God forbid. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Because no one gave him anything. 17. And when he had come to himself, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And we say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Hallelujah. And he arose and came to his father. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. When a time of decision making comes into your life, it is good for you to take it at the right time. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. When he thought of it, he did not sit down to reconsider. The Bible says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 22. But the father said to his servant. Bring out the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. And sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here. And kill it. And let us eat and be. And let us eat and be. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost. And is found. And they began to be merry. Hallelujah. We have heard this preached to us time and time again. But the other phase is where I really want to dwell on. I am not too concerned tonight about the prodigal child. I am concerned about the brother. Which began from verse 25. He said, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house... He heard music and dancing. 26. So he called one of the servants and asked, What these things meant? And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received himself and son, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was what? He was what? He was angry. 
and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Underline that word. I have been what? I have been what? Do sons serve in their father's house? Do sons serve in their father's house? Is it the duty of the son to be a servant in his father's house? He said, I have been serving for these past many years. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet, you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this, your son, came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is what? All that I have is? It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I say somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So tonight I want us to astray a little the lifestyle of the prodigal brothers, uh, the prodigal son's brother. Okay. The prodigal son's brother, I think we should just give him a name so it can be easy for us to, to go through uh, uh, tonight's uh, uh, teaching with ease. What should we call him? Mr. Mom, you said what? Elder brother, okay. Elder brother, okay. It's okay. We are going to look at the prodigal son and we are going to look at... no. We are not looking at the prodigal son, rather, but we are going to look at the elder brother. Praise the Lord. I think that is simpler. The elder brother was a very humble, homely, obedient brother. True or false? From what we have read, as a matter of fact, when the prodigal son came back home, he was where? In the field. He was in the field walking. And I see that a little bit challenging. He was in the field walking. The servants were at home celebrating. Hallelujah. Come on, please follow me. Don't bother where we are going to. Just follow me. The Lord will make us land safely in Jesus' name. And I, like I said, whatsoever God wants us to learn. Because I read this. It blessed me and I believe it will bless you as well. In the name of Jesus. So I was wondering, why was the elder brother in the field, why there were servants at home? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our call to ministry, our call to uh, the work of God is a call for service. I understand and I agree totally. And I believe you are not disputing that. But with what kind of mentality... Are you in the service of God is what differentiates between this brother and the prodigal son. Hallelujah. And so we are going to look at a few lessons. I have highlighted like six of them that I will want us to look at. And like I said in the opening, 
These two sons are present in the church. Even in tonight's service, we are all present here. And I asked us a simple question when we were to start. I said, between the prodigal child and the elder brother, which one will you prefer? Some said the prodigal child, and some said the elder brother. Hallelujah. Maybe by the time we are through, you may reverse your, your decision. There were some things that were happening in the life of the elder brother which should not be happening in the life of an average Christian. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. There are some things that are in your life as a person in the church of God that are not supposed to be. Number one, the Bible said when he came in, he heard the sound of music. He heard that there was merriment. He could not go in to verify. The Bible said he called the servant and he asked, what is it that is going on in my father's house? I remember before going to the field to work this morning, there was no plan for a celebration. There was no naming ceremony. There was no dedication. There was no reason for any ceremony. So how come this is happening behind my knowledge? And they said, your younger brother has just returned. And your father is excited. He has killed a fatted calf. He is, he is throwing a party because he has received his prodigal child safe and sound. And the Bible said what? He was what? He was angry. Hallelujah. He was what? He was angry. And so, as I was studying the scriptures, something flashed my mind. Have we, as people of God, also become angry at the salvation of some very critical and demonic, wicked people that ordinarily we would have wanted them to die? Have we ever been angry at their salvation? You may not need to answer. But let me quickly, let me draw it down home for us. How many of us have watched uh, movies before? You know, movie is always between the bad guy and the, and the good guy, isn't it? How many of us are always excited at the tale of the movie when the bad guy suffers the consequences? Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Some righteous people are, are shy to say the truth that is in their heart. Let me drive it back home. How many of us know what is happening in the north? Not east, not uh, wherever. Boko Haram. All this banditry. How many of us will be happy to hear that the, the leader of uh, Boko Haram gave his life to Christ? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see that your hand is heavy to, to, to go up. Isn't it? Within you... You will be happy that one day the military threw bomb into the uh, Boko Haram camp. And a, uh, uh, the news carried it that the commander of uh, Boko Haram has been killed. True or false? Let's be sincere. Is that not the one that will get us the more excited? Thank you, my sister. You are the only genuine person here now I'm seeing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just joking. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? In our hearts of hearts, we will be excited that yes, he has met his or her own water 
load. Isn't it? So between the prodigal child and the elder brother, it would have been a good testimony for the brother to hear that my, 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 my younger brother who has wasted my father's property, my father's uh, 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 life, uh, 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 what do you call it now? A uh, uh, property and whatever. He's suffering and even eat, eating with the pig. And we say, hey, after all, we warned him when he was going. Isn't it? That is the average mindset. But people, do you know the kind of God we serve? The Bible says he is a merciful God. Isn't it? The Bible says he is mercy. He is a God who suffers long in mercy. He doesn't think like we think. He doesn't act like we act. He doesn't see things like we see things. He doesn't judge like we judge. He is a God who is willing to extend his mercy to anybody, no matter how bad they are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please put your hands together for Jesus for me. I want to read the scriptures for you. Matthew chapter 20. I will read a few verses from verse 1. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 from verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborer in his vineyard. Now, this is this uh, 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 story here or parable is talking about God. Is that okay? He said he's like a, 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 a somebody who owns a vineyard who went out and hired laborers. He said now when he had agreed with the laborers for give me give me in the NLT please, so we can understand the word dangerous there. Okay, he agreed to pay a normal daily wage. And send them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. There was no bargain. With the first group of people, there was a bargain. Is that okay? Then in verse five, he says, So they went and walked. Verse six, at five o'clock in the afternoon, he also saw a group of people and brought them into his vineyard. And they were walking. I'm rushing because of time. In verse 7. Okay, in verse 6. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in the town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been walking today? He said, they replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go and join the others in my vineyard. Hallelujah. And so on, it went and it went. Let us go to verse, verse, uh, okay, verse 8. He said, the evening, he told the four men to call the workers in and pay them, beginning at the last worker first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's what? Verse, uh, he said, then those hired first came and get their pay. They assumed that they would receive what? More. But they too were paid the day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Hallelujah. Verse 11, where are we stop? Verse 11. It said, when they have... Verse 11, please. Sorry. It said, when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Verse 12. 
Those people worked only one hour and yet you have paid them just as much as you have paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Verse 13. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Did you agree to work all day for the usual wage? And what was the answer? It was a yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had to bring in these scriptures to let you know Ezekiel chapter 33 also said something. He said, when I say to the wicked man, you will perish. And the wicked man, one minute to his life on earth, he changes his heart. What happens? God receives him as a righteous man. Praise the Lord. But a righteous man who stays righteous all through his year, one minute to his death, he became unrighteous. God receives him as an unrighteous and an unjust man. And you will ask yourself the question, is God truly fair? Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. This God, is he truly fair? He gives, the Bible says he gives rain to the just. And he also gives rain to the unjust. Wouldn't it have been better for him to pour rain in the midst of righteous men? And in the midst of wicked men, isolate rain from him. Then we would have said God is just and fair, isn't it? But God is not like man. The Bible says his ways are beyond our ways. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. He does not walk in the mode and in the pattern of men. And so the Bible says that the prodigal brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. And I also thought of it again. Do you know in the house of God, it still happens. Men fell, fall, they fall and rise from sin. Hallelujah. The church places suspension on them. And everybody in the church begins to look at them with suspicious eyes. But the God he sinned against, the Bible says he has wiped away his transgression and has taken his iniquity away from him as far as the east is from the west. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. When you ask people, can you forgive? Yes, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Is that not true of us? We can forgive, but we cannot forget. And so another day the brother offends us. We remind him. I hope you remember the last time you did something against me and I forgave you. And now you are doing another one again. There is always that bottled anger in the heart of God's people. And this is not supposed to be. Praise the Lord. We are learning lessons from the prodigal's brother. Hallelujah. Number two, I want to highlight is in verse 29 of our scripture. Luke 15, verse 29. Verse 29, quickly. He says, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment. So what other lesson, number two, we are learning from him is that he was a servant son. He was what? He was what? A servant son. Instead of a son who serves. He was what? A servant son instead of a son who serves. And I will break it down for us. A servant son 
is a child who acts as a servant. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Why a son who is serving is a child who has grown to maturity. Who has grown to become responsible. In the book of uh, John chapter 12, John chapter 1 verse 12, he said, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. Hallelujah. I, I'm not going into theology. But if you go into the, 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 the Greek translation of that word son, he's talking about a matured son. Son who has the strength to bear responsibility. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. The Bible says that he was where. So he answered his father. He said, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Was he supposed to be serving? His father's property. Was he not supposed to be under his custody? I believe if he has grown to a level of maturity, they wouldn't have sent him into the field. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I will read something for us in the book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. The New King James Version. It said, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, he is not different from what? A slave. Though he is master of all. He is not different from a slave. He is treated equally as a slave. A child and her. Give me the NLT, please. Give me the NLT. Galatians chapter 4. He said, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better. They are not much better off than slaves until what? Until they grow up. What differentiates between a son who serves and a servant, a, 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 a servant son is that they have refused to grow up. One of them has grown up and the other has not grown up. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I always like this illustration and I will still use it again here. If I come in into your house and I meet your two-year-old son or three-year-old or even five-year-old son, Playing with the remote of the TV. Flipping through channels. I can say, Junior, give me that remote. Will Junior give me or not? He will give it to me. And I can do whatever I want to do with the TV. The best Junior can do is to do what? To cry. But if Junior grows up to become a son, a matured son. If he grows to become a matured son in his father's house. Maybe at 20, maybe at 25, talking about growth truly by age. Not that you know there are some people that are 40 and behaving like 20, and there are 20 that are behaving like 40. I hope you know that. And so I'm talking about those who are truly matured in heart. If I go in into the house, even me too, I will be careful to tell him to give me the remote. If I'm going to collect the remote from him, I most likely, for me not to be disgraced or be, be insulted by a small boy, I will say, please, can you give me the remote? And he has a choice to give me or not to give me. 
If I give him a command, he can tell me this is my father's house. You cannot command me around. Hallelujah. And so the Bible said that this son, this elder brother did what? He was a serving son, not a son who was serving. Please, I want us to understand that. They are two different people. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. When you are a servant, when you are a son who is serving, you have grown to the point of maturity. You have grown to the point where responsibility can be given to you. Where you can, you can stand and command authority. Where you can speak to your servants, the servants in your father's house, like truly you are a son. The Bible says that the heir, as long as he is a child, he is not different from a servant. And I believe that this is what happened to uh, elder brother. I think that is what we say we should call him. This is what happened to elder brother. The Bible says he was in the field while the servants were at home. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I like to read that same Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Let us see it from the message translation. He said, let me show you the implication of this. As long as the hair is a minor, he has no advantage over the what? Over the what? Over the slave. Though legally, he owns the entire inheritance. It is my prayer that we will come to maturity in the house of God. And not become servants and not become sons who are slaves in their own father's house. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I told you that this same uh, uh, brother is in the church. Two of them are present in the church. The book of Ephesians says that we be no more children tossed about, tore and fro with every wind of doctrine. I think that is in uh, Ephesians, uh, that should be Ephesians chapter 2 verse, verse 14. Please technology help me check. He said that we be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. There are people anywhere they hear miracles are taking place. That is where they are running to. Anywhere they hear that signs and wonders are happening. That is where they are running to. I remember somebody walking to me one day and asking whether my pastor uh, can see vision. And I said, why do, you want to, uh, uh, why do you want him to see vision for you? He said, I want to travel abroad. He said, two men are actually in my life. One is in Nigeria, one is in abroad. And uh, I want him to help me find out whether I should go and meet the one abroad. Hallelujah. Okay, chapter 4. Thank you. Uh, so I asked him, I said, in your heart of heart, which one do you prefer? And he said, I for like go abroad though. And I say, what do you want my pastor to tell you? To tell you to stay in Nigeria. So when he doesn't go well with you, you will say, it's pastor that prophesied for you. Hallelujah. He said that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait, to do what? To deceive. 
Some people are not like Liberian Christian at all. Everything they hear, provided they can see signs and wonders in the life of the man, they take it hook, line, and sinker. Am I communicating or not? Am I saying the truth or not? Once they see healings taking place, even if the man of God say, walk with your head, they will accept. Have you not seen men of God that they said, the anointing upon their life is too much, so they cannot walk on the ground, and then they step on their members to preach the gospel? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? I even saw one a very long time ago now, who asked the members to go and eat grass, and everybody went there and they were eating. Hallelujah. Have you not heard of the one that said he was casting out demons with a insecticide? Come on, talk to me. Yeah. Did anybody hear that story? Thank you. So it won't seem as if I was, I'm making it up. He was casting out demons with insecticides. And people were following. People were believing in him. Why? Because they were seeing miracles, signs and wonders. Do you know why we don't have uh, members overflowing here? Eh? If uh, tomorrow, God forbid, my pastor will not do that. Bring out handkerchief and throw on people. And then uh, maybe uh, uh, arrange for a dead man in the coffin to come here and uh, resurrect. Yeah, the following Sunday, this place will, fi- will get filled. Hallelujah. You know what they was saying? That church, that church, where did they raise dead people? And you come and you stay in that church for years, your life is not getting any better. You are living in illusion. You are living in deception. You are not growing. You are tossed about with winds of doctrines. Hallelujah. In those days in my village, we used to have one sister. Vicky is her name. She, okay. <laughs> okay, no, sorry. Not this Vicky. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have forgotten that we have one Vicky in the house. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking about you. This one is in my village. Uh, at least you, you are not in my village. Praise the Lord. Uh, we were all together in uh, Church of God Mission. And we were all good Christians, growing and excited, happy. And all of a sudden, one new ministry came in into town. And they were seeing miracle. Before you know, Sister Vicky just packed his bag and went... And he started criticizing the same place where he grew up. The same place where he fed. He started criticizing. And not up to two years ago, another new ministry came. And before we knew, he had moved into. So they just keep moving. What were they looking for? You are looking for a power that is supposed to be resident in the inside of you. As chapter 1 verse 8 says, And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, when you have the Holy Ghost in the inside of you, you are filled with power. So what other power are you looking for? In local parlance, they say what you are looking for in Sokoto is in your... Hallelujah. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So number... Number what? Number three. Okay, I could have read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 7 to us, which says that uh, the, the Ecclesiastes, the, 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 the wise man was saying that he has seen an evil upon the earth. Servants are riding on uh, horses and what? Princes walk on ground like servants. 
It will not be our portion in Jesus' name. And this is a loss of a, truly a loss of a identity like we will see shortly. In number three, he had identity crisis or crisis of identity. The elder brother had an identity crisis. And how do I mean by having an identity crisis? What do I mean by having an identity crisis? He lost his position in his father's house. Verse 31. Verse 31 quickly. Verse 31 of Luke 12. He said, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is what? Is yours. If he knew of a surety that what he had in his or what his father had was truly his. I believe that he had no reason to be angry. I believe he had no reason to have accosted the father to say that for these past years I have served you and you did not even give me a small goat to celebrate with my friends. It is for me a loss of identity. He was operating in the level of a child who has not grown to become responsible. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So, in your own life, you must understand that for you to be able to understand your role in your father's house has to be as a result of your own sense of identity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What am I saying? I will, I will rephrase it. For you to know your worth in your father's house has to do with your understanding of your sense of identity. I believe every child here, no matter how small they are, all the children here, if you go close to them and ask them, who is your father? They will not miss me for their father. True or false? No matter how much you are missing me for your father. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They will not miss. As young as uh, David is, there is no way I can convince him that I am now his father. He will tell me no. He knows his father. Praise the Lord. So there is a difference between sense of, I mean, uh, uh, having your, knowing your identity and having a sense of identity. Having a sense of identity is for you, is you being able to deplore all that is accrued to you as a result of you being a child in that home. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. So, a true realization will stem from first, we realizing that we are the children of God. For us to know what we are, we have to first understand whose we are. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For us to know who we are, we have to what? First understand whose we are. That is where our true identity shows forth. That is where our true identity shows forth. And so many people in the house of God today don't know whose they are. And that is why it is easy for the devil to kick us about like a ball. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. 
Don't forget, we are only drawing lessons from uh, this elder brother and using it to evaluate our own lives as children of God. We are not just concentrating on him, but we are also looking at ourselves. Each of the points we raise, you should be able to look deep into it and see where it fits into your life. And you should be able to know what you need to change from what you don't need to change. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So there is a big difference between you knowing your identity and having a sense of identity. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I say the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Uh, something I highlighted here. If uh, an eagle grows in the midst of a chicken, what will happen to the eagle? He will, he will behave like a chicken. He will live like a chicken. And he will may die like a chicken. What happens to a king who is born in the house of slaves? What will the king do? He will behave like a slave. Maybe until salvation comes, he may die as a slave. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. I heard of the story of uh, an eagle whose egg was joined with, uh, was hatched along with a chicken. And the story said that he kept on scratching and perching like uh, the chicken. And one day he saw a very big bird gliding above them. And they all ran away. And they said, wow. And the eagle who was in the midst of chicken said, how I wish I could be like that bird. Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Are there not chicken? Or are there not eagles in the house of God? Who are behaving like chickens and desiring to be like eagle? Meanwhile, you have been created. You have been born an eagle from the onset. Are there not people like that? When you are running up and down looking for miracle, is it not like an eagle who is begging or who is running about with chickens? When you are moving from one house to the other, from one church to the other, looking for power, is it not a, an eagle who is looking like a chicken and running up and down, desiring to be like an eagle? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I said the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I believe this was the same predicament of the elder brother. He was a son who behaved all through his life like a servant. He saw his father's wealth like something he was not entitled to. But Matthew, the Bible says that at the beginning of that scriptures, he said the younger brother came to him. I believe it was a family meeting he called. Nothing was mentioned about their mother. Maybe they had no mother. Maybe, I'm just thinking. The Bible says that he called it meant that the elder brother was also in that meeting. And he told the father, he said, divide for us. Is that not what he said? My inheritance, divide it out of this, your whole estate. Out of this, your whole property. Divide it into two. Give me the portion that is my own. Is that not what he said? He said, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. It meant that if it was 12 estates, the father probably, assuming he was a very fair father, he must have divided it 50-50, isn't it? 
Gave him six and gave the elder brother six. But do you know that the elder brother, as bad as he was, as a child that he was, if that English is correct, he never knew that all he had in his father's house were his. And so the Bible said he led a life of servitude. I pray for us and I pray for myself that we will be able to lay hold on all that truly belong to us in our father's house. And we will not serve him as a servant in the name of Jesus. Even though our service is what is required of us, we can serve as a kingly is that not what the Bible says? First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. For you are what? A royal, a royal, a royal, royalty and priesthood. Royalty talks about authority, isn't it? Priesthood talks about service. And our calling as individual, as a people, it is first to the church and to the world at large. Is that not what the Bible says? When he gave them power, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where I quoted, he said, after you have received the Holy Spirit, the power will come upon you, and you will become what? Witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, which is where they are in Nigeria, in Judea, that is outside of Nigeria, and in the uttermost part of the earth. Our service is to the body of Christ and to the world at large. But we are to do that service with a mindset of royalty. That is the difference. With a mindset of royalty. We are royal priesthood. We serve as kings. We serve with dignity. We don't serve with a purpose mindset. We don't serve with, with a mindset of a slave. We serve as great kings. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Okay, number what are we now? Number four, he was serving for what was his from the beginning. I think I just delved into that. He served for what was his from the beginning. Number five, before I begin to wrap up, he lacked the father's heart. And I would like to stress a little on this. He lacked what? The father's heart. What was the father's heart? A heart of compassion. What was the father's heart? A heart of mercy. The Bible said he was sitting down and he was looking. In my mind, I began, I began to picture that from day one, this guy has left his father's presence. Day after day, this man has been wishing that one day he will see the son coming back. Praise the Lord. It was a heart of mercy. It was a heart of compassion. That was the heart he had. But he hearing that his brother who was lost has been found, his brother who was dead is now alive, the Bible said he was angry. He was not having the father's heart. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What led Jesus to the cross? Was it not compassion? What led Jesus to the cross? Was it not a heart of mercy? That is the heart he wants us to develop. That is the kind of mindset he wants us to develop. 
a heart of compassion, a heart of mercy, is what he wants us to develop. I shared something with us earlier when we were starting. When we see a brother falling, when we see a sister falling, and they rise up, do we, with a compassionate heart, look at them and not remember the error that they have committed? Do we, with a heart of mercy, look at them and not remember the evil that they have done? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you know what the church does? The church holds captive the man that God has forgiven. It's not our lot. We don't do that here. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. We begin to look at every of them with suspicion. But the Bible says that God that we serve, that he wants us to be like, when he forgives, he said he pushes our iniquity so far from him as far as the east is from the west. How many of us can imagine how far the east is from the west? It meant that he, he, he has thrown them so far away. He has thrown them. I'm trying to remember a scripture. That he has thrown them in the, in the sea of, uh, of forgetfulness. Thank you very much, man. He has cast them and thrown them in the sea of forgetfulness. So the sea can erode it. He can roll it away. And when God forgives us, you know what he does? When we have asked for mercy and forgiveness, the Bible says he blots out our transgression. He wipes it out. He makes it clean. How many of us have used slate before? How many of us? Okay. Young generation. I think mama will understand. Uh, mama will understand. So it means that, okay, some other people will understand. I use slate. Slate. Black, uh, uh, like a, a, a square. Thank you, a square. Okay, thank you. And at the back, it's 1 to 3 to, I think, 30 because it's small. They cannot write beyond that. Maybe 1 to 3 to 30, A, B, C, D to Z is at the back. And then the front is plain. You buy chalk. That is what, <laughs> praise the Lord, that uh, children of this day uh, from uh, age 2, you buy iPad for them. Who dashes iPad there? Hallelujah. And you know the beautiful thing about uh, that, uh, okay, even in school now, we don't even use blackboard again. We use a whiteboard and we use marker to write on it. Praise the Lord. And you know, when you finish writing on it, you carry your duster and you wipe it away. It becomes as clean as before. That is how God deals with us when we ask him for mercy, when we ask him for, for forgiveness. That is how he deals with us. He wipes it clean. As if that sin was never committed. He throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. It is off his mind. But when we forgive, do we blot it off completely? Or we keep a, 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 a part of it on the side of our heart. And we can always draw it back as reference point. When next the person hurts us again. Hallelujah. The prodigal, uh, uh, the elder brother... He lacked the heart of his father. And I pray that for each and every one of us here tonight, we'll be able to develop the heart of the father in the name of Jesus. A heart of mercy, a heart of compassion, and a heart of forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The last one I will look at, which is number six. He had a self-acclaimed righteousness. He had what? 
a self-acclaimed righteousness. And what did he say? Verse 29. Let's go back to verse 29. He justified himself. He made himself look so good before his father. He said, Lord, this many years I have served you. I never transgressed your commandment. This guy is too pure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Is he an immortal? Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. And yet you never gave me one young goat that I might make merry with my friends. He justified himself. The Bible says it is only God that justifies. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. The Bible says, I think in the book of Isaiah, it says our righteousness is but like a filthy rag before his presence. The same Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9, he was calling to the people, he said, come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. They will be red like crimson, uh, they, they shall be uh, 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 as white as snow. He exonerated himself. He cut himself out of the transgression of the people of Israel. He pointed at them, but until he got to chapter 6. In chapter 6 of Isaiah, from verse 1, God opened his eyes and he said, The day that I saw the Lord, the day that King Uzziah died, the day that Seth died, the day that Ego died, the day that me, I died. That was what it meant by the day Uzziah died. When Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lifted and high and lifted, and the train of, of his robe filled the temple. Verse 2. Verse 2. See the other same Isaiah, what he will say next. He said, Above it stood seraphim, each one with six wings. Verse 3. And one cried, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When he saw that holiness, when he saw that glory. Go to verse 6. Go to verse... Okay, verse 5. He says, so said I. What did he say? He said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean leaves, and I dwell in the midst of unclean people. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. What happened between chapter 1 and chapter 6? When himself when he died to self, when he was willing to throw off his ego, he began to see God in his purity. And he saw that his holiness and self-acclaimed righteousness was nothing but a filthy rag before the presence of God. And so, do not look at you, as, at yourself, as more righteous than some other people in the church. So you don't start evaluating yourself and look at some group of people who are sinners, and look at yourself as the righteous one. It is God that justifies. And if he doesn't justify us, we stand condemned. Hallelujah. But when he justifies us, we can boldly come before his presence. Like Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Hallelujah. For the law of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. May the law of life be made available for us. So the elder brother has a self 
acclaimed righteousness. And he felt he has never transgressed. He has never sinned against his father. Not even one time. And he was looking at his brother as the one who has transgressed. Who was not worthy of the salvation and the mercies and the compassion of God. Like I said at the opening, if one Boko Haram member gives his life to Christ, will we be excited that instead of this man burning in hell, Father, we thank you. Just as the Bible has said, that God is happy. The hosts of heaven are excited over one sinner that is won back to the kingdom of God. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I say the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, he said, let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Don't give yourself a self-acclaimed righteousness. Let the one who justifies be the one who justifies you and give you that certificate of standing before him as righteous. As a matter of fact, people of God, before I drop the microphone, there is none righteous. The Bible says, no, not one. Hallelujah. It is the message of God. Every time God looks down from heaven and looks at us, if he is going to look at us directly, we will not be qualified to stand before his presence. But every time he looks at us, you know how he sees us? He sees us from the picture of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that is why the Bible says that he forever lives to make intercessions for us. He is ever standing between us and God. So every time God wants to look at us, instead of looking directly at us, he will look at us through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And when he looks at us through the eyes of Jesus Christ, do you know what he sees? He sees a blood-washed sinner. He sees a blood-washed Vincent. He sees a righteous Vincent. He sees a holy Vincent by virtue of the fact that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So between the prodigal child and the elder brother, which one will you prefer to be? The one who doesn't know his identity or the one who knew his identity, knew what was apportioned to him, even though he went astray but was able to trace back his step home. The Bible says the righteous falleth seven times, but he rises. From the day he came back to the mercy seat of his father, do you know his past error were eroded away? I would rather be a prodigal child, come back to my father, trace myself back home, than for me to live in my father's house as a servant, than for me to live in my father's house as one who doesn't know his identity, than for me to live in my father's house as one who is filled with anger. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you very much. I pray that the Lord will preach this word and interpret it more into our hearts in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together as we welcome Mom upstage. And we have come to the end of yet another intriguing session of the PPA Fan Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has touched your heart and inspired you to be a light in your marketplace. So, in order to stay connected and access more empowering content, kindly visit our website at pbfn.org. Now, always remember, you are a citizen of heaven and God's ambassador here on earth. May God's love and grace guide you in all your endeavors. Until next time, goodbye and God bless.